0: Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Maintain the Flame. I'm Keith Collins, and I am blessed, as I am every week, to know that you're listening today, and I trust that what you're about to hear is going to encourage you, that it's going to stir you for a greater experience with the Lord, and that overall, it's going to help you to become a more effective disciple, especially in the hour that we are living in. I am sitting here at my desk and looking at a plaque over my desk that simply says, keep me eternity conscious. And I'll tell you a little story here um, before I get into some of the material that I want to share today. I was visiting some friends several years ago, my wife Darla and I, around Thanksgiving time. And um, some friends of ours out in East Texas, a place called Lindell, Texas. Some of you have probably heard of Lindell. Lindell is where um David Wilkerson's ministry was headquartered, World Challenge, as well as Mercy Ships um, is there, I think, still today. And different leaders and ministries have kind of based out of there over the last few decades. I know years ago, Agape Force was there, Keith Green's ministry, Last Day's Ministries was there before Keith went to be with the Lord. Anyhow, I was out there visiting some dear friends of ours that I worked alongside of in the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry back in the mid-90s. And we were, um, we were fellowshipping you know, over a weekend, and one afternoon we went to the former home, the former residence of the late Leonard Ravenhill, who was an amazing revivalist and, of course, author, and um, has impacted so many of us throughout the years. But anyhow, we went to Leonard's house, and his son David and his wife Nancy were living there at the time. Um, since then, they have not, or, or they have moved to a, another location. But anyhow, we were there that day, and I was, you know, talking with David and, and his wife and, and my friends that were there, Sonny and Margie Janes, who some of you might even know. But anyhow, I was in Leonard Ravenhill's office one afternoon, and I saw a small plaque that simply read "Keep Me Eternity." conscious, and it really impacted me in a deep, deep way, and I've never forgot that, and it it impacted me so much that recently, I guess a couple of years ago, I had a, a dear friend of mine um, actually make me a plaque that says, keep me eternity conscious so I can have it over my desk all the time, and that I read it all the time, and that it kind of keeps me cognizant or keeps me aware of the way that the Lord has called me to live as his disciple, as his son, as a follower of, of him. And um, this, this subject of eternity is so important. I've actually done a program on that subject probably a couple of years ago. I probably need to share on this subject again. And, and I tell you, over the weekend, I was in South Carolina, the northern part of the state, Greer, South Carolina, where I was scheduled to preach their Friday night And the Lord just moved so powerfully that the leaders there asked me if I could do Saturday and Sunday as well, and I did. And the Lord just, I mean, moved so gloriously. Lives were touched, changed, Um, you know, just a really powerful experience in the Lord. And um, Sunday morning, I actually dealt with the subject of eternity. So anyway, it's fresh on my heart, and I don't believe that it should ever be away from us that that we should always live with eternity in, in constant view, and that whenever we acclimate to the spirit of this age and to the temporal pleasures and even treasures of the current world that we live in, then we get distracted from what's really important. So Paul tells us to set our affections on things above. Paul talks about um, his light and momentary um, afflictions. That really they don 't even compare with what awaits what awaits from him in eternity and in glory, and even now he said that in Ephesians we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, so we are in this world, the Bible says, but we are not of this world, so I just wanted to kind of give you a little exhortation before I get into my material today and just encourage you with that and And today, I want to continue talking about the subject of revival. Characteristics. So this would be part two. I opened this subject up last week, and you know, in light of all that's taking place, in light of what happened recently at the Asbury University campus, where you know, tens of thousands of people literally converged on that campus in like a two and a half, three week period because of just the outpouring of God's Spirit. And I've been so encouraged to see that. It didn't stop there; but it's it's continuing to touch other universities, and over over twenty—I can't remember the exact number—but over twenty campuses have had pretty much documented um, visitations, um, you know, long-lasting prayer and worship sessions, and so forth and so on. So it's it's exciting to see. And I tell you, as I'm out traveling, most weekends preaching in church-type venues or settings. Man, I, I tell you, there is a fresh hunger for the Lord that I am experiencing like everywhere that I go. So are we on the cusp of another awakening in America? I hope so. I, I really, really do hope so. However, I do know that we are seeing um, signs of revival in the church. Now, let me just let me just talk about one thing here. And I, I, I might have spent a little bit of time on this last week, but I wanted to kind of revisit it. You know, I have said for years that I don't have to wait for other people to burn for Jesus and to wake up spiritually for me to burn for Jesus and to be awakened. I have lived my Christian life with a fire and a passion for deeper places of intimacy. I've I've never come to the place to where I feel like that I've arrived and I have enough. And I I say that to say that We can all experience personal revival. And there's even some churches that I would say that they are revived. In other words, by that I mean they still preach the gospel, right? Um, Conviction is still present in their gatherings, repentance takes place, the gifts of the Spirit are active. Um, you know, tongues with to interpretation, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing. I mean, all, all these things are active and they, they refuse to compromise the gospel and they make room for the Lord to move. So they, they are revived people. They, they live somewhat in an atmosphere of revival. And I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of the churches that I go to are really like that. And that's really their heart, their passion. They refuse to compromise on some of those or in, in any of those areas. And so, with that said, I do want you to understand that we can live in revival in the sense that we can experience the presence, the power, the glory of the Lord. I am completely aware of that, and I embrace that 100%. However, there are seasons of history where we clearly see that the Lord visits a church, a region, a country, whatever, a people. And the unusual tangibility of God's presence is not just something felt in a corporate gathering where we're preaching the gospel and giving room for the Lord to move, but but there is a distinct awareness that the Lord in His tangibility is, is present and hearts are being radically touched. And beyond that, it's not just what's taking place in a church building, but oftentimes it even goes out into the streets and, and into um, in the highways and the byways, so to speak. And you know we can read a lot of history. I've I've studied history as far as the history of revival for many years, and have been so blessed by some of the accounts of what the Lord did. I was in the Brownsville revival for most of that revival. And uh man was in hundreds of meetings And just watched the sovereignty of God Do what only God can do Now listen, Steve Hill was a revived man He lived with fire in his heart um, John Kilpatrick was not a compromiser of the gospel He preached the gospel He was a man of prayer Matter of fact, he shut down the Sunday night meetings At Brownsville two or maybe two and a half years Before revival actually broke out And, and committed that time to prayer uh, Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown Um, was preaching truth for years and had experienced the Lord in deep, deep ways. Lyndall Cooley was a great worshiper and uh, a man that walked in intimacy with the Lord. So my point is this. I would consider all of those men revivalists in their own right. Um, However... What God did on Father's Day of 1995 was beyond just them experiencing personal revival. It was beyond just them preaching the gospel and just seeing the Lord touch lives. I mean, there was a divine visitation that happened, and the tangibility, the weight of God was so present... That within weeks, people were coming from many, many locations. Within months, the world was showing up there. As a result, people took that fire back to nation after nation, state after state, church after church. I mean, it, it was a glorious thing. And I tell people all the time, it's rare that I travel anywhere in America and even around the world. And I travel you know, internationally fairly often, or I did before COVID. And you know, we've got trips coming up here in the next few months where I'll be out of the country again. But it's rare that I go anywhere that I don't come in contact with someone who was not radically touched by the Brownsville outpouring, the Brownsville revival. And um, so my point is this. Um, there are times of visitation where where the Lord, as Duncan Campbell said of the Hebridean revival that took place in 1949, it, that God stepped down. And he steps down at times. And He, again, he's omnipresent, but there are times when we have those like experiences where Solomon dedicates the temple And the glory of the Lord fills the place And, and sometimes we can only get on our face before him Because of his holiness and, and we see things begin to happen And I'll begin to talk about some of those today And I might have to even come back for part three next week But let me let me read um, just a paragraph very quickly to you here Or a couple of paragraphs This has to do with the Welsh revival that broke out in 1904 Where the revivalists individual was Evan Roberts. However, of course, others were praying, but Evan had carried a burden from the Lord from childhood, from a boy, an adolescent boy, um, regarding revival and visitation in his nation, in the nation of Wales. But listen to what happened here. This is um, maybe a couple of weeks into the revival that broke out in 1904. It says this, "...above all, a sense of the presence and holiness of God pervaded every area of human experience." at home, at work, in shops and public houses. Eternity seemed inescapably near and real. Ethian Evans wrote this, At the end of the second week, it was evident that the plans of the revivalists, speaking of Evan Roberts, had been superseded by the initiative of the Spirit, and the hopes of Evan Roberts had been overshadowed by the power of God. By now, revival blessings were falling in other parts of Wales as well. God used a number of other young people and evangelists it seemed wherever special meetings began, the holy fire of the Spirit fell. From Carmarthen, it was reported that floodgates of blessings were opened. On the last day of a conference, hardly a quarter of an hour passed without a number of people, young and old, men and women, in one part or another of Water Street Chapel praying themselves or others from the bondage of sin to the liberty of the gospel. From Ammonford came the report, a heavenly nearness To God was felt by all present. The weeping was general throughout the congregation. Seth Joshua arrived, and in his diary he notes, I have wrestled for personal baptism of the Spirit and for a national revival. It has come, and I rejoice. When he arrived, he found a wonderful fire burning here. The ground is very prepared, thank God. A day later, Joshua wrote, This has been one of the most remarkable days of my life. One more paragraph, bookshops sold out of Bibles, coal mines were transformed from places of blasphemous oaths to places ringing with praise to God. Homes were filled with joy and with singing, notorious blasphemers and profane sinners were transformed, and in open-air meetings quoted scripture and testified with spirit-anointed fluency. Now, my friend, what you are hearing and what you are seeing, hopefully visually as I read the history of some of what happened in the Welsh revival, the Welsh outpouring, is what happens when, when God steps down, when, when the Lord appears in power and in demonstration. So oftentimes when I talk about revival, yes, I understand that revival, some people say revival is just the church getting back to normal. I accept that. I don't have a real problem with that at all, because again, we should be revived, and that's. But it's important to understand that revival visits the church first, because revival deals with the coldness, uh, the the compromise, the lukewarmness, the backsliding, the um, the. Um, the lethargy, the, the lack of prayer, the, the the embracing of the spirit of the age, the, the worldliness, the, the carnality, even the the, the structured order of, of man that oftentimes trumps the moving of the Holy Spirit, even in our corporate gatherings. So revival addresses all of these things, and it, it, it calls the church to to repentance first and foremost. However, when I when I talk about like visitation where the Lord is so present and he manifests so gloriously, you know, we we read this story of of Wales and how it's not just in the the church meetings but even in people's homes. People walking on the street, people in coal mines working. I mean, mining coal, literally places that were full of blasphemy and profanity. They become places of worship and and closeness to the Lord. We read history of where, where pubs or bars were closed down because um, they lost their patronage because everybody was so radically saved, they began to live completely different lives. So oftentimes, when I talk about revival... And when I talk about visitation, friend, I'm talking about what happens when the Lord shows his strong arm of power and of salvation and hearts are arrested. And it's beyond what I can do through preaching. It's beyond what a denomination can do by organizing. It's beyond what worship teams can do by having good production um, leaders in their midst. It it's beyond, um, you know, what we can do with all of our effort, even with all of our correct doctrine and our, our 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 ability to to do the ministry. Because many of us have gifts, and the Lord can use those gifts, and we have anointings. Even He anoints us, and He uses those anointings and those giftings in order to. Bring forth His Word in power and demonstration. I fully accept that. However, there are times, and again, we, we read these throughout history, even throughout Old and New Testament outpourings. But beyond that, um, throughout the history of the church, there have been these seasons where God very deliberately manifests His glory and a nation is arrested, a, a city, is is gripped a region is overtaken the Hebrews 12:29 dynamic becomes real for our God is a consuming fire we we hear we see the the prayer of Isaiah, like I read last week where he's in Isaiah 64, 1 and 2, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Again, the cry of this prophet's heart is that the glory of God would be seen even among those that do not know the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He he cries, God, reveal your power once again, the way that you visited Mount Sinai and that mountain violently shook and fire and smoke were present. That's his cry. And I'm going to tell you, friend, that has been a cry in my heart for decades now. I, I thank God for everything that I have seen, and I have seen revival fire burn. I've seen it in Africa. I've seen it in Asia. I've seen it in East and West Europe. I've seen it in South America, Central America. I've seen it throughout North America. I've, I've seen it in many places in the 37 nations that I have traveled to and ministered the gospel. I have seen the fire of God touch lives and touch hearts. But what I'm praying for in this generation, what I'm beseeching God for His Lord, do what I can't do. Now, here's one thing that's important. And I talked about this a little last week, a little bit last week. Father, hear the cries of saints that have been faithful to pray, to fast, to live in holiness, to, to live purely before you, those that weep in secret, those that are giving to travail, those that are giving to to contrition and supplication, those that are giving to hours of tears as they weep before the Lord and they are filled with his heart and with his burden for the condition of America and the nations of the earth. Lord, hear their cry. So when I when I ask God to send revival, I'm not asking, Lord, just bless us because you're the God of blessing, even though he is. No, I am, I'm praying, God, hear the cries of my heart. Hear the cries of... Even saints of long ago, hear the cries of some of those gray hairs right now. That have watched America go down into the darkness of perversion and and craziness over the last few decades, Lord, as they have watched our nation free fall right into hell and embrace perversion and call it good, as Isaiah said they would call good, evil and evil good as as some of these older saints have have watched just the 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 craziness literally take over culture and society and even move into. The American church, where the church has been so weak and emaciated and compromised and prayerless and so driven by personalities and talent and education and and building programs and all the the foolishness that oftentimes we refer to as revival and a move of God. But thank God, the cries of, of saints, some still alive, some... In the presence of the Lord as they are absent from their bodies right now. But Lord, hear the cries of these warriors, these, these individuals that, that paid the price, even in the midst of encroaching darkness, even in the midst of deep compromise, even when their pastors looked at them and considered them too dogmatic or too fanatical or, or too holy, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. You've heard that saying before some of you. But Lord, Hear the cries, These are the ones. I believe that that the Lord hears and the Lord sees. And I, I'm convinced with all of my heart the reason that we are seeing what I believe signs of revival, signs of, of outpouring, signs of visitation, that I pray, leads to awakening in our nation. Again, revival always starts in the church and God revives his people. Then he begins to move, it seems like, outside the church, even sometimes in manifested ways where his glory grips people while they're working on the job or while they're sitting in a classroom or whatever they're doing in their homes. Um, we see these signs throughout history. We see this history repeated at different times um, throughout the history of the church. But, but Lord my my prayer is this and 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 hear me friend my prayer is god hear the cries of those even now because there are people i believe there's a remnant of radical lovers of jesus that they are jealous for the glory of jesus to be manifested in this generation that they are not willing to watch America go completely down into hell. And it doesn't matter what the White House promotes. It doesn't matter what education promotes. It doesn't matter what the Congress promotes. It doesn't matter what, what local government promotes. It doesn't even matter what Hollywood promotes. All that matters is that Jesus is still real. That the fire of God is still present. That conviction and repentance are still needed. That, that we must have the manifest glory of of God in our prayer times, in our corporate gatherings, on the streets, in the marketplace, in the schoolhouse, friend, that, that everything that we need is in the glory, the holiness, and the fire of God. And there are people even listening to me today that I want to say, thank you, thank you, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for not throwing the towel in, Thank you for not embracing compromise and call it the new thing that God is doing. Thank you for, for calling out things that were fleshly and carnal and worldly that many people have called the, the new way to do ministry. Thank you for tears. Thank you for fasting. Thank you for going when nobody else would go. Thank you for not being ashamed of the gospel, my friend, because it's people like you that I believe the Lord is tethered to in an eternal way. And because of your heart ventings and because of your desperation and because you've been willing to step into a place to stand in the gap, as Ezekiel talks about, and and make up a hedge and, and fill in the gaps that are so glaring in modern ministry and modern American church culture, because of you, I believe we are beginning to see some amazing, amazing, amazing things. And friend... I don't believe that we've even scratched the surface as to what the Lord wants to do in our midst. So my my encouragement to you today, keep praying. Listen, I I preached years ago that um, taught on this, that the same revival or the same prayer life that initiates a great move of God or launches a great move of God is the same prayer life that sustains the move of God. So, um, friend... The American church needs revival. The church around the world needs revival. I understand that. But I, I, I am encouraged that the Lord is moving powerfully in places like North Korea, Iran, Yemen. Um, you might not believe that, but but there's great moves of God in some of these places, even as God is visiting Muslims, even through dreams, so forth and so on. But But listen to me. In America... We need great revival, friend. You know, there are, there are countries sending missionaries to America right now, and they've been doing that for, for years now because of America's dormancy and lethargy and coldness with regard to the gospel. But, but thank God. God has heard the cries of some of you. God has heard the cries of some that are in his presence now as they have stepped beyond this present world. And as a result, he's moving in power and in demonstration. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for revival fire. We thank you, God, for awakening people in this generation. God, I thank you for the church. I pray for the church, the one that you love, the one that you gave your life for, Jesus. Set her ablaze. Lord, may everything that is not of you be burned completely out of her. Father, if there has to be humiliation, if there has to be deep conviction, if there has to be public repentance, whatever it takes, God, to bring us to a place of desperation for you, do it, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame this week with Keith Collins. I'll be back next week. I'm going to try to finish this subject up next week. But listen, let me encourage you to visit our websites, um, keith-collins.org. Also, Impact gf.org if you want to get our newsletter we send out a podcast we send out some other resources via our newsletter you can actually sign up on those websites we love you thank you so much for being a part of this ministry and um listen i know people listen from all around the world to this program so i pray that wherever you are at whether it's in America, whether it's in another nation, wherever you might be, that today the fire of God burns hotter and brighter in your life, in your family, in your ministry, in your business, whatever you're doing, that everything is seasoned by the fire of God. We'll see you next week again on Maintain the Flame. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at Keith-Collins.org or impactgf. Org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.